You're 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, you allowed us to be in your house today, Lord. We ask you now, Lord, you just visit with us a while, Lord, let your Holy Ghost Spirit have its way in this place this morning, Lord, and we pray, God, that you would touch each and every soul that's come out. God, we pray, Lord, that you would just anoint Brother Dennis, Lord, as he breaks the word of life for us. Lord, that God, that you would feed us the very words that you would have us to hear this morning. But most of all, Lord, if there's anyone here today that don't know you, Lord, God, that you would just touch them, Lord, and have them, Lord, to, to understand, Lord, that you the, you're the greatest thing on earth, Lord, and they give their heart to you before it's too late. Lord, we love you now. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You pray for us this morning. Amen.
open the gate. Boy, I like that. Yes. He opened the door of my heart when he came in. Amen. And he did yours too, and he's there, never to leave you. Even through the valley of death, he walks with us and takes us home. Isn't that a blessing? Good to see you this morning. I'm excited about being here. I'm excited about being able to leap and move. I've got that freedom now, and I appreciate your prayers. And uh, God is really up to doing something big this morning. I can feel it. And he's already through the singing. I don't know about you, but it makes you already want to just go. Just be there. Is there anybody visiting with us? And you are our guest for the first time. Would you raise your hand? Anybody? All right. We got some right over here as well. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. You are our honored guest. And we, and we love it when people come to be with us. And we want you to feel at home uh, here at Hopewell Baptist Church. All right. I am excited about the next song. And I don't even know what it is. The reason why I'm excited is because the Lord told me he's going to do something big this morning. So I'm anticipating, I'm seeing him through everything we're doing this morning. And so I hope you come to worship him. You pray for Brother Ron and the choirs, they sing.
that as a choir comes down, I want to take this time to remind you normally uh, before COVID and all hit, we, we did the plates. It's when we took our offering up, but now we're taking it up from the chest of Joash as you come in or you leave. If you have your tithes, uh, you can put them in the chest of Joash as you go out. And uh, giving, boy, God said, if you'll give, I'll give bigger back. And, uh, and he, he does, you know, not to expect it, but God does always outgive us, don't he? All right. Boy, choir, that was awesome. But wasn't it good to hear the choir again? Amen. Amen. And I appreciate them. All right. Here I'm up here, and I don't even have my Bible. I guess I figure I can do it all from my head. All right. I have a sermon that's been on my heart, probably an unusual topic, but I feel that this is the one God has led me to, to bring this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapters 18, Jeremiah chapters 18, and uh, there's several sermons we can get out of this chapter and uh, and I like Jeremiah. You know, Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. I mean, he cried more than he shouted. He, he was hated more than he was loved. And he spent more time in the prison than he did in the pulpit. But Jeremiah loved God. And he wanted to do what God had called him to do as a prophet. And that was to reach out to the nation. Tell people about Jesus and the sin that they were doing. And, but there's something in the midst of these first six verses that I want to read, verses 1 through 6 of Jeremiah chapters 18. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Boy, I'm glad I know where Jeremiah got his message from. It wasn't from a man, but it was from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel, verse 4 is my, is my text, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. Boy, I like that. Just to get in his hand. That's where I want to be. In the hand of the Lord. And so, with this thought, the word so in verse 4 is interesting to me. Because it speaks of something that we cannot hear, but what we can see. And from this, 
I begin to look, we are listening to the decision-making process of the potter. And so with the help of the Lord this morning and the help I need every second, and God, if he don't help me, then I'll fall flat on my face because without him we can do nothing. And so with the help of the Lord, I want to preach on the subject, the silent sermons of God. There are sermons throughout the Bible that God preached that were silent. And it's interesting and it's important for us to know that sometimes it's not necessarily what we hear, but it's what we see, what God's trying to show us. And so whenever God speaks, we know that he has some verbal integrity. I mean, we have been taught on and on about the Word of God and how and, and the power of that Word and the fact that that Word has verbal integrity, meaning that God cannot lie, meaning that God will accomplish what He says and what He commands He will do, meaning that God has the ability through His Word to provoke change. Now, if it wasn't what he said when he said it, it'll become what he said after he said it. God said, when I, I speak the universe into existence, it will appear. And it did. You see, it wasn't what he said when he said it, but it's what it becomes after he says it. The power that's in the Word. Boy, I can imagine some throughout the Bible that saw the miracles that Jesus performed and saw the power that he had. And it must have been amazing time at that moment to be able to be with Jesus and to go with him as his disciple and to hear him pray and to hear him teach and preach. It had to have been something. And so... It was the nation of Israel that God established with his written word. They weren't a nation until God gave Moses and the people the Ten Commandments. And it was by his word. Almost everything that God does is by his word. You see, it was through his coming. He introduced his coming through the prophets of old. When you go to Hebrews 1 verse 1, the Bible says God at sundry times and in divers' manner spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Boy, I like that verse. This message was perpetuated through the prophets as through the years the prophets, they announced the very coming of the Messiah himself. As they said, he's a coming. And he did come. And he was born in Bethlehem. But folks, that's not the first time he's going to come. He's coming again. And he's going to come back just like he said he's going to come back. And when I got to thinking about this, we must understand that it was, he spoke the word when that centurion servant who was near death and was about to die, he spoke the word and it healed that centurion servant. 
I mean, not even meaning to go in the house. Jesus just sent his word, and his word got the job done. Aren't you glad for that day when he sent the word and the word got the job done on the cross of Calvary? Oh, when he said it is finished, it got the job done. It was when he said it is finished that it was complete what God had sent his son to do, to die on an old rugged cross and to pay the sin debt of the world. I'm glad that I'm saved. I'm glad that I know him. I'm glad that he lives in my heart I'm glad that he talks to me through his word I'm glad for the times I can get in my prayer closet and talk to him he's real to me he's real he's a person he lives inside me he's a real literal person coming back and he's going to take us home one of these days oh that we could see him this morning You say, well, he's invisible. Why, no man hath seen God and lived. No, we haven't. But he's real and he's here. I can feel his presence. And that's all I need is to feel his presence to see him by faith. You see, when we begin to think about that written word, John 1, 1 and 2 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And then in verse 14 of John 1, it tells us who the Word was. I mean, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, the living Word, Jesus Himself. And you see, most of the prophets began their utterance in the Old Testament with this phrase, Thus saith the Lord. And whenever the prophets said that, it didn't matter whether it was a king or a servant, because thus saith the Lord trumped everything else, and it canceled everything else. In fact, it declared the divinity of the fact that that's the end of it. If God said it, that settles it. It is a powerful word from God. Thus saith the Lord. But folks, what about those times when God says nothing at all? I mean, I know how to respond when God speaks. And I know how to surrender when God speaks. And I know how to kneel before Him when God speaks. And I know how to repent when God speaks. And I know how to obey when God speaks. But what about when God says nothing at all? I mean, is He any less powerful in his silence than he is in his statements? Think about it. How are we guided? How are we guided through those moments of divine silence? I mean, we know that the Bible is a collection of those moments when God spoke. But folks, we've got to keep in mind that there were years in between his speaking. There were times when it was silent. I mean, even in the life of Abraham. Abraham went through life at times when God said nothing at all. 
And Abraham walked with God longer in his silence than he did in his statements. Oh, how, how do we detect the silent sermons of God? How do we know when he's speaking to us? If you remember in Genesis 22, God told Abraham, Take thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. And he said, I want you to take him to Moriah to a mountain that I will tell thee of or show thee of. Now think about this. And here's Abraham and he saddles that ass and takes these two young men with him. And the Bible said that he lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. An angel said nothing. God said nothing. Abraham just knew it. How did he know? Because he could detect the silent sermons of God. God said, I'm going to tell you of a Moriah, of a mountain, a certain place. God was speaking a silent sermon on Mount Moriah because it would be the very place and the, the very place where God would send his son to be a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. And we can see it as a picture in that in Genesis 22 I see four things in these six verses but I only mentioned two of them this morning the first thing that I want to talk about is the potter's house we see the potter's house in verse 3 then we see the potter's hand in verse 4 then we see the potter's happiness at the end of verse 4 Joe Arthur put it like this one time, and I liked it. He said, when you get in the potter's house, in the potter's hand, it'll make the potter happy. I like that. I want to make him happy in my life. And the way to do that is mentioned in these verses. In our text, we are watching a prophet by the name of Jeremiah who was a speaker. He was a talker. Being shushed to silence. As God said, Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the house of the potter. Go down and there I'll talk with you. And when he gets to the potter's house, God says nothing at all. You don't see that in those verses. He shows him something. The Bible said that he wrought a work on the wheel. In other words, when we begin to think about it, Jeremiah just sits down and he watches because if God's not saying anything, it doesn't mean that God's not saying anything. He is sitting and he's watching. And without God opening his mouth, a sermon was to be seen and not heard. He was watching the wheel, the spinning of the wheel, he was watching the clay. He was watching the potter. It was a sermon to be seen. How many times does God want you and I to see a sermon sometimes rather than hear it? And here we find where it's amazing, amazing thing about this was in Jeremiah's day, going to the potter's house was like going to the mall. It really was because it was in Jeremiah's day because it was a normal place. 
In Jeremiah's day, pottery was a part of his life. Pottery had been around years before Christ's birth. And you know what God said? Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the potter's house or I want you to go down to the place that's normal. And I want you to sit and watch what I'm about to show you. And so he sits and he watches. He said, I'm going to give you the silent sermons of God. I believe that we do not often see the silent sermons of God because we're too busy. I mean, we we go in and we get what we need and then we go on about our business. And I personally believe that in this past year, God shut the place down because he was going to speak some silent sermons to his children. He closed everything down last year to sit us down so we could hear the silent sermons of God. When we looked around and seen the shape that the world was in, he was reminding us. This is what I told you was a coming. This would be happening in the beginning time. Lift up your eyes, child of God. Be encouraged. Have rejoicing in your heart because you'll know that my time of coming back is near. I'm telling you, the silent sermons of God are powerful. If we just sit still long enough to see them. I mean, here God shut everything down at the moment in Jeremiah's life. And he said, I want you to go sit and watch. I believe that that's what God wanted us to do. He wanted to sit us down. He wanted to sit us down so we could see some things that we wasn't seeing because we're so busy with our schedule. I'm, everything happens for a purpose and a reason in life. And when I got to thinking about this, I thought about maybe God was removing the clutter and the noise and the busyness in our schedules so that we could really notice and see what was really important and see some things we were overlooking in our lives. Simple things like our children. Simple things like our husband and our wife. Simple things like above everything else, spending that quiet quality time with the Lord himself. Maybe he, maybe God canceled our schedule so that we could see the silent sermons of God. Jeremiah was a busy prophet. He was a weeping prophet. And he was speaking to the nations, but God canceled his schedule. God shut down his date, his date book. God said, I want you to go down to the place that's normal and just sit and watch. Oh, what we've experienced, I believe, is moments in history for God's silent sermons in these past year into this year so that we could see what he would have for us. To hear, here it is, folks. Don't miss anything. Don't miss this. You can miss everything out, but don't miss this. To hear what the Spirit saith to the church. Not what people are saying. Not what some preachers are saying. Not what the news is saying. Oh, no, not what the circumstances are saying, but what, say, what the Spirit saith unto the church. 
Boy, what I mean when we think about that, it's the Spirit that speaks in the silent sermons of God. The Spirit. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. For his arm is not short that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Oh, I thank God for that. You see, often the Spirit speaks, but here's the thing. Not everybody's going to hear it because the frequency of the Spirit is not always audible. Now, I'm not saying a voice out loud, but speaking audibly to our hearts. Sometimes it's groanings and moanings which cannot be uttered. Oh, to stay tuned in to the silent sermons of God. And here Jeremiah sees an extraordinary thing in an ordinary place. (laughs) You and I, we've been praying and asking God to show us something extraordinary. Give us something extraordinary. And God's been saying to us, I just want you to go down to the place that's normal and just watch what is ordinary. And then I'll give you the extraordinary, the supernatural. Oh, man, did you know that most of the miracles done in the Bible were done with things that were already there, things that they already had? Think about that. God brought miracles out of what we tend to overlook when we're reading the Bible and studying God's Word Oh, God was doing something in Jeremiah's life. He was saying, Jeremiah, you've been overlooking my sermons. So I want you to come down here to a normal place. And I want you to sit and just watch. And I'm going to give you a silent sermon from God. And he did. Now, clay comes from the ground. This is interesting. In areas often where streams and rivers once flowed. Clay is at its best when it's made from minerals and plants and animals that collect in the dirt. That water has passed over and the ingredients of the soil become pliable so that it, for it to be clay. Now folks, there's a difference between dirt and clay. You can't make a vase out of dirt. You've got to have something that's pliable. Something like clay. You see, you're not clay just because you're on the ground, nor am I. You're clay because enough water's passed over you and enough things have died around you and enough deposits have been made inside you. You've went through enough that you've become pliable. God molding you and shaping you into what he wants you and I to be. Oh, when I think about the clay... I think about pliability as an indication of experience. And that's how we learn. That's how we grow is by experience as a Christian. It don't just happen. We have to go through some things and grow. And you see, one of the things about it is, is when you've been through enough, you become a pliable and adaptable. And you become 
where you can respond to God and ask God to give you what you need. You can become relatable. You see, you've been through enough that you know how to rock with it and roll with it and shift with it. Here's what I'm talking about. When we get to the place, and I believe some of us, if we're not careful, we're drying the mold with dirt. And if we're not careful, here's where it gets down to it. God says, are you pliable? Can I work with you? Can I mold you? Can I shape you? Can you change with me? Can you shift with me? Have you been through enough that you have become clay in the hands of the potter that he can mold you and shape you and oh you may look like dirt but you're pliable <laughs> in other words I know how to abase and abound in season and out of season I know how to survive in the good times and I know how to survive in the bad times Oh, and, I, and things that are thrown at me I can with God's help I can get through it and I can make it through a cold winter and I can make it through a hot summer cause I'm pliable if it rains I'll put on my raincoat if it don't I know how to take it off I'm pliable and whatever season I'm in I can be content why is that because I'm not just dirt I'm clay (laughs) oh me boy this gets good I'm talking about I wonder how many survivors do we have in the house that's went through a lot of things and a lot of things has passed over you but yet you survived and you're sitting here right now Because of the grace of God. I want us to see secondly the potter's hand. No, I don't even know if I'm going to get through this one. For the potter's hand, think about this. The potter's hand reached down into the ground to extract. Lord have mercy. The potter reached down into the ground to extract dirt to pull the clay up that he thought was most usable. God is looking for somebody that's most usable that he can mold and he can shape into what he's trying to do. He's trying to extract the dirt from the clay. The reason I want you to see this image of the stooping potter. Because what Jeremiah was looking at when he saw the potter reaching down to the ground to pull up the clay. My mind went back to God. Do you realize the first glimpse that we get of God was when he was stooping over the earth? Oh, when I got to thinking about that, I got to thinking about we serve a stooping God. He'll stoop down to where we're at. I mean, what about that? You realize here to establish that the potter that Jeremiah was looking at is just a shadow of the great potter. (laughs) The real potter. Oh, who'll stoop down as the living touching the lifeless. As the celestial touching the terrestrial. As the divine touching the human. As the miraculous touching the mundane. We serve a God that can stoop. Man, I'm glad he stooped for me. Do you realize God 
reduced himself to the lowest common denominator through Jesus just so that he could get on a plane to where you and I could behold the wonders of his glory. He came down to where he needed to be in our midst. There the potter stoops and he pulls up that clay and it's a picture of God touching the lifeless. I wonder how many listeners are lifeless And you say, preacher, I can't reach God. Don't worry about it. God stoops. He'll get down right to where you are. He's not afraid to get his hands dirty. He's not afraid to get down in the muddy, messy. (laughs) Lord, have mercy. Formation at which you're in. God will come. Oh, when I couldn't reach and touch him. When I couldn't live up to his word. Oh, when I couldn't reach high enough. Thank God he reached low enough and he stooped down to where I was and he saved me by his marvelous grace oh we serve a stooping God but wait a minute (laughs) what about what about here when God said it's time for me to be born (laughs) and you know he was the word before Mary's mama met her daddy And he said, Mary, I need to borrow some clay. Lord, have mercy. And the Holy Spirit, I don't know about you. If anybody's getting on the plane I'm on, why, you'll be up out of your pew here in a second. The Holy Spirit of God overshadowed her womb and planted within her the seed of Almighty God. And he did something in silent without saying a word. But so that you and I could have the silent sermon of Jesus coming to where you and I were so that we could be saved, have eternal life, be washed in the blood, be one of his children, walk with him every day, talk with him every day, and live in the promises of God's word. What promises it is. I'm looking at a bunch of survivors this morning. You're looking at one. When you look up at me, we survived. We're here. You can think about all the, all the worst things you had to go through. Your heart was broke. God took that loved one home. And you didn't think you could live another day. And you didn't want to get up the next morning. But God was with you. And God seen you through each day and you survived because of Him. You see, the Word not only talks. Boy, I'm about to come unglued, Brother Jimmy. Let me say something right here. The Word talked to Adam and Eve in that garden. But He didn't just talk with them. He walked with them. I see the Word not only talking but walking. Oh, when you walk with him, I'm telling you, you're in the best place you could ever be when you're walking with the Lord. Oh, what a day it's been when you can get up in the morning and walk with the Lord and say, Lord, I just want to say how much I love you today. I want to tell you thank you for allowing me to wake up another day. Lord, I just want to thank you for my family. Thank you for my health. Even though I might have some issues, I think Thank you anyhow, because you're in charge. Thank you, Lord, for saving an old 
wicked soul like me. Thank you that you reached down low enough when I couldn't reach high enough and you loved me and you saved me. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness on my life. I can't quit praising you. I can't quit thanking you. That's how it ought to be in the Christian life. We've got to come real. We've got to come alive. How can you not come alive if you've got somebody alive living in you? Oh, me. (laughs) He stooped. God stooped. When God got ready to stoop, he stooped in Jesus. Boy, I like it. I can see the potter's hand making Adam and Eve. I can see the potter's hand in the incarnation. Oh, how God in his divinity wrapped himself in humanity. He was wrapped in clay. But he was sinless. Perfect son of God. And boy, I can see a silent sermon. I may close right here. I can see a silent sermon in that woman that was caught in the act of adultery. You remember the Pharisees and Sadducees asked Jesus, What sayest thou about this? The Bible said that Jesus answered them not a word. It was silent. When I got to looking at that, I thought in the New Testament, that's a silent sermon right there. Because rather than argue with them, Jesus just stooped down and started writing in the ground. Oh, when I got saved, he stooped down. (laughs) Boy, I like to think of it like this. I'm going to stoop down for you, and I know you're ready to get saved, but let me write some things on the ground I did for you. (laughs) And it was rolled in blood. Oh, me. I'm having a good time. So, we see the silent sermon. The reason why I have to praise him this morning is because I'm a product of God's silent sermon. I'm a product of what he did the day he came and stooped down for me. Think a holy thing. He was... Oh, man, his holiness was dressed in wretchedness when he took our sins upon himself. But you can't help but think of Hebrews 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God the Father. I wonder why it said for the joy that was set before him. Because God, when he was dying, got to looking at all those people he was going to stoop down to. Do some stooping and come down on our level so that we could be saved and lift him up as our King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, when I say stooping down, I'm not talking about us making ourselves greater than him. I'm talking about him stooping down to us who were filthy and wicked for our righteousness or as filthy rags. The Holy One came down stooping to where we were in that condition. 
And he pulled me up out of the miry clay. And he set my feet on a solid rock and he established my goings. And when he saved me, he didn't just quit there. He put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. And many shall see it and trust in the Lord. When I sing, it's a testimony for somebody to see Jesus in my life. When I praise him, it's a testimony. So somebody looks and says, I want what he's got. He's got joy, and I don't understand why he's got joy. Brother, it'd be like me and you talking, and you fell, and you hurt your foot, and it could have been worse. But God says, I'm going to put joy in your heart so you can go around praising me even though you got hurt. That don't make sense. Yes, it does. Somebody will look and say, how in the world can he have an accident and go through this and that and still have rejoicing in his heart and praising the Lord? I'll tell you why. Because when he saves you, he changes is your life. He's everything to you. It doesn't matter what we go through. It doesn't matter how we feel. If we're saved, we have him as our heavenly father and we know he's in charge and we know that he wants what's best for us. You know, the Lord became real once again to me. He has several times. Before we got the news of Brother Wayne, I went into almost, and I know the family did, but I was in shock. I just sat there, and I, I didn't know what to, I didn't know whether to pick the phone up or just sit and talk to the Lord for a little bit. You know, when you get somewhere where you just don't know what to do. But you know what? The Lord showed himself real. He said, I'm going to take a situation that you wasn't expecting. And I'm going to show you how real I am. And that I can do far more than anybody else can do. It's going to be all right. I've already got it. And then when we got the news that he's home, boy, I started rejoicing. You say, why? Because he's my brother in Christ. When he hurts, I hurt. When he laughs, I laugh. When he's in trouble, I feel like I'm with him. And I'm there to help him, and he's there to help me. That's how it's supposed to be. You say, what's that called? The silent sermons of God working in your life and mine. So people can see Jesus. Let's stand. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your sweet spirit. Lord, you've showed yourself so big to me this week. Not that it was the first time, but Lord, again, as I got to see it, all I could do was thank you. Lord, I'm so glad that one day you came and stooped to where I was. Oh, God, I'm so glad you saved me. But, Lord, I ask you to help us as your children to be ready for the sermons that are not to be heard but to be seen. We're to hear the word of God, but we're to also do the word of God.
Oh, I ask you, Lord, to help us to get close to you, to walk with you in these days. Lord, I can't help but think that there may be a person here that may not be saved. And if they died right now, they don't know whether or not they'd go to heaven. But oh, before they leave here, they can know. Oh, because Lord, you established that in your word. And Lord, I pray that they'd get saved today before it's too late. In Jesus' name, heads bowed and eyes are closed. I wonder, is there somebody here? And I I don't embarrass nobody. All I want to do is recognize a hand and pray for you. You'd slip your hand up and say, Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I can't remember a time when I asked Jesus to come in my heart. I don't know if I die right now whether I'd go to heaven or not but would you pray for me that I could know that for sure before it's too late and you'd slip your hand up and back down is there anybody like that I'd be honored to pray for you getting saved is the most important decision to make being born again I wonder how many of us as survivors When's the last time that we went to the Lord and just thanked Him and praised Him for His goodness? For those things He did for you in the past, the things He's doing for you in the present, and then just go ahead and start thanking Him for what He's going to do in the days ahead for you by faith. As we sing, the altar's open. You may just want to come and pray. You just mind the Lord. good seeing somebody come and just talk to the Lord I just like it I love it Uh, before we are dismissed I want to say something about our revival it starts next Sunday uh, on the 25th I 
I'll be kicking the revival off preaching Sunday morning, and then Brother Craig Edwards will be with us Sunday night preaching, and Barry Rowland Deliverance will be singing Sunday night, and then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday we will begin our service at 7 p.m., and Craig Edwards will be preaching each night, and then we'll have the voices of praise with us. Those three, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it, and I can't wait. So I want you to invite somebody to come next week. And uh, and let's just try to fill this place and have, I mean, just ask God to revive us, to revive me. Give me something that I need for that meeting. And so we're looking forward to it. So I, I know that one evening I, I'll need a couple of, of ladies if you don't care to volunteer to make. Uh, it don't have to be a big meal because it, it'll just be Brother Craig and his wife. I think his wife's coming with him this time. And, uh, and then we'll try to take care of the other evenings uh, that we have him to take care of him. So... Uh, has anybody got a word before we dismiss? Brother Sean. I'll be taking the young people and teenagers to the house today. So they want to come. I'm going to be walking with Joseph. Him will be in church the next few weeks. Everybody's welcome to come. All right. That's an invite to Brother Shane's this afternoon. Boy, if all of, all of us take you up, we won't be able to get in your house. I'll have to climb up and tear the roof off. <laughs> Oh, me. All right, let's be dismissed and uh, have a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for today, and I thank you for these that's come. And, Lord, I pray that you'd give them safety as they travel to their homes and a good afternoon today. Bring us back safely at 6 o'clock this evening. And, Lord, we're looking forward to what you've got in store for us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're at liberty.